0: Welcome to the Adventures of Alice and Bob. Today's episode is hosted by Mark and Carl. They are joined by Tanya Jenka to talk about what it's like being a woman in cybersecurity, the origin story of WeHack Purple, and how important it is to be in cybersecurity communities. Follow the human side of cybersecurity on the Adventures of Alice and Bob podcast.
1: So yeah, so basically, um, I am a giant nerd that's really obsessed with the security of software. So I started in IT in 1997. So it's been a little while. Um, and uh, basically, I was a software developer for a really long time. And I briefly did like sysadmin, and I briefly tried cybersecurity, and I was like, I don't know. Um, but then, eventually, I met a professional mentor. Like he at first was my friend, and he's just like, you know really good pen tester. I I bet you could shatter a bunch of apps. We should try this. And so I slowly moved into security, but I almost immediately, I was like, oh, I don't really, pen testing is a very, um, it's like attention to detail. It's very, so I'm a super extrovert. I'm that social butterfly in the office. And I just found it a bit lonely. If that makes sense? (laughs) Because you have to really, really concentrate and be extremely thorough to be a good pen tester. And I'm like, I'm still in this data center and there's still no one here. And this kind of sucks. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then I
1: discovered the thing that makes me really happy, which is application security. So, software basically, I hang out with software people all day and help them create more secure software. And then I started giving conference talks because you can get in free then. (laughs) And I wanted to learn more about software. And I wanted to, so I was just like, I'm just going to create this conference talk and then they'll. If I get in, they'll let me in for free. This is amazing. Um, and so then I started speaking at more conferences. And then eventually I ended up o- opening up my own training school called We Hack Purple. And we just got acquired uh, last month by Bright Security.
2: Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Thank congratulations. You. So Bright,
1: Bright Security makes a dynamic application security testing tool or a DAS, which is cool. And I've been on their board, um, their advisory board for over a year before that, so we're already friends, if that makes sense. And so then they're like, yeah. so what if like your company and our company were just friend company? And I was like, but like, you make this tool, like what are, and they're like, well, then you could finally make all your training and all your content free.
2: Oh, that's incredible. Yeah,
1: I really, so it sounds weird, but I really, I know, you know, when people make open source software, Um, And that's some sort of business model, which I don't really understand. You can't really do open source intellectual property. People are just like, thank you. It's free now. Um, And then you can't pay your bills. But I really wanted to make it available to as (laughs) many people as possible because when I was trying to switch over to security, it was so hard. I was like, some of these courses cost so much money. I won't like, Mm. what will I do? I'll have to save up a whole year to take one course. Like, how could I possibly afford this? And so... I wanted to make it so that more people could join my specific field, anyway, um, of securing software and secure coding, because, yeah, it's a problem. I'll, I'm sure that since you both work at Beyond Trust, you know there's some problems with software security.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Software is the uh, the the never-ending <laughs> challenge. Yeah, it's come right? up once or
2: twice in my career, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind back there, Tanya, because you sound so passionate about this. And w- where did that passion start? Like you said, oh, it was a software developer, just casually. Like, how how did that even begin? <laughs>
1: um- So I think I have one of the most unusual little girl experiences where both of my aunts were computer scientists and three of my five uncles were computer scientists. And my mom's a mathematician chemist and my dad took, yeah. And so,
0: um,
1: and then one of my cousins is a mechanical engineer and the other one's a computer scientist chemist. And so then when I decided I wanted to, you know, I'm getting near that age, I have to decide what to do. My parents are like, so you you know, you applied to all these universities and colleges and you got into all of them for all the weird different, because I applied for drama, for English, for history, for like everything you could think of. And I'm like, I like the people in my computer science class the best. So if I'm going to go to <laughs> school for four years that's, that's awesome. with people. Right. And I was like, and like, I'm really, I seem to be really good at like making stuff and it's really fun. And I heard there's lots of jobs and my parents were just like, Whew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, I mean, what, what, what was that like? I mean, it, you know, ha- having, you know, that much family that was obviously involved in, in computer science, uh, mathematics, et cetera. Like, like, what was, I, I guess, like, what was that like at, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> holiday dinner table or something like what was that what folks were talking about? It just or, made
1: uh, it very normal and that it was a very normal job to have. And that it was a very normal job for men or women to have. And as you probably are aware, there's very few women in computer science. Like one of my aunts was the first woman in our province to graduate from computer science. She was the very first woman. But they never told me like, oh, there's no women. When I got to my class, I'm like, where'd they go? (laughs) Um, And and then when (laughs) I got into security, I really was like, okay, where are you? Because security is significantly... There's significantly fewer women in in the cyber security area than there are in all the rest Absolutely. of IT, especially software development. It's like around maybe a quarter or a third in software development, but in cyber, it's like ten percent or less. And I'm like, this just stinks. Um, who's going to appreciate the cute outfit I'm wearing? Yeah, Come it, on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and I mean, what, So that I mean, that's an interesting transition because you go from kind of like the. The, the home and family related environment where you're like you know like hey this, this is uh, this is how it is, etc and then like as you're saying kind of moving into school and other things you're like wait there's there's a total there's a total void here. like I mean what, what was that experience kind of like like diving in more did, did you find that was like a, an adjustment or did that uh, make it more challenging at, at, at some at some uh, in college
1: I would say I thought it was super awesome because I was like, look at all these boys I could go on dates with. I thought it was great. I was like, there's like no competition.
2: <laughs>
1: Almost Brilliant. all the women in my class were on student visa from Russia or China. And most of them were you know, in their 30s and married. And they're like, I'm not going to date some stupid Canadian boy that's 18 years old. And I was like, hi, hi, look at me. <laughs> um, so I felt very popular. Um, but then in the workforce, it was a bit different because, um, yeah, I've had, bosses make passes at me. And I'd be like, no, thank you. And then there'd be like repercussions that were really not good. And it's like slowly over time, I was just like, I have to learn to tell people to F off or I'm not going to get any work done. And it it was like very enlightening, um, but things have improved a lot. I have to say like steadily things have improved quite a bit. And so sometimes when people are like, oh, this happened and I'm like, oh, and then you should just tell them to go to hell. And they're like, I shouldn't have to tell people to go where to
0: go at tanya at work i shouldn't have to do that i'm like yeah oh i know but it's still yeah you you should be able to do your job and not have to to like fight for the uh the the privilege of doing it if you will i I talk about that. there's an amazing woman on my team software engineer developer etc and uh and and i would describe her as kind of like fierce right but i'm also like you 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 shouldn't right and and she definitely doesn't need to be at at our company (laughs) because we're we're good about that stuff but uh uh, I, 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 I've definitely experienced that, uh, uh, I haven't experienced it, what you were describing, I've experienced it on the other end of like somebody trying to be a, be a manager and like clear a path. And I think that's like what it's all about. And it's, um, yeah, I can't stress enough the, um, the, the balance that is like needed. And like you said, it's, it's like better, but, uh, I don't, it's, it's, it's not great by any means, uh, out there in the world. We're
1: starting to travel again now that COVID is. I don't know what to say of what COVID is right now, but less terrifying, let's call it that. Um, and so we're starting to travel. And so actually yesterday yeah. I had a meeting with one of my staff and I was like, we're gonna travel. I'm like, if someone asks to go back to your room, you could just say no. If someone's like, you wanna have a drink after work, you could just say no. You don't own any you don't owe anyone your time. I'm like, if someone yeah. from work does something or someone at the conference or one of the organizers or or anything, I'm like, I have you have my explicit permission. Yeah to blame me and say, oh, Tanya will kill me if I do that. So I can't, I'm like, totally blame me. I don't care. I'm like, do this, do that, do that. And That's yeah, lovely. and I was on a business trip a few months ago. And one of the organizers of the big event I was at, like tried putting his arm around my waist and like so, And I just like shoved him really hard and was like, ah, no. And then I just get it and I was, I was yeah. like, so it still happens. People still make stupid mistakes. Like, I'm like, don't put your, what are you doing? Stop that. Um, but I feel like, yeah, That's yeah, it is. But I'm like, so, you know, if that can happen to me, like you're like a ridiculously beautiful 20 year old. So um, that could definitely happen to you. And I want to just like say explicitly, like, I don't care if someone's like, well, I'm the head of this department at this company. And like, if you want to make this sale, well, I'm like, no, just say no and blame me as much as you want. It's totally cool. Um, but I'm like, it's really important to me that you yeah, always I- feel I- safe. And I'm like, you can also make excuses. Yep. Excuses are awesome. Be like, oh, yeah, I have to call my mom she wanted to check on me. (laughs) And it's at this time, sorry, I have to go. I'm like, there's a hundred things that you can do to like get out of that situation. But I'm like, feel free to say no to like literally anything that is not a job requirement. And if someone tries to invite you to their hotel room for a meeting, be like, actually, you know what? I really could use a coffee. So what if we meet at Starbucks? I'm like, there's like a million different ways that you can like cruise around those things. But I'm like, just say no all the time. And if anyone gives you a hard time, you send them to me, and I'm going to make them sorry. And she's like,
0: "Okay, thank you."
2: <laughs> yeah, I love the fact you put welfare it, first. Like, oh welfare first is the most important thing, and it's just so yeah, refreshing and great to hear that. So, well, kudos to you for being a champion. Yeah, well, I think right yeah, that. The, so like,
1: but then they'll they'll quit too. Yeah, right. I mean, I I'm like, that, I don't want to lose I think, you. I like, I really yeah. want you to keep working here. I know, like, eventually one day you'll outgrow us but <laughs> I don't want to lose you. So anything happens.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, cause it really comes down to, and so, so me, Carl, uh, most we can't relate, right? Like, 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 I can hear it and I can try to empathize as much as possible, but it's not an experience that like I've in any way lived as you're describing. Right. And I think it's really like important to hear though, uh, because, the, the reality for, for most of us guys like myself, etc. cetera, working in tech for the last, you know, 20 years, show up and you can just do your work. Uh, you don't have to navigate and deal with everything that that you're talking about, right? And I think it's important to understand that because uh, in, in whatever way, and I'll probably kind of ask you later on of, um, you know, I think it's always important of, you know, what can people like myself do more or be better beyond just obvious not being a can I say asshole? Well, I think you can say that. That's okay, right? Horrible human yeah. being or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but like, just be be a good be a good human being. You know? Yeah. And and uh, one of the other things that I think we had come across, to, you know, going back to some of the the, the early days for you, and you made me think of it. Just in the, I think you have your own kind of uh, you know fierce fighting for the things that matter. But you were supposedly in like a yeah. punk band or yeah. something? Did we yeah. did we get that?
1: So I right? was um, a, a folk, a, <laughs> a solo singer, songwriter, folk singer, guitar person for around 17 years and I released five solo albums. Yeah. Oh, wow. like, when you look up on Spotify, that's me. Um, and then on top of that, and I was a software developer at the same time, and it sounds so silly, but like when Y2K hit. And there were so many layoffs and like the web bubble burst. I would like play music at bars and I'm like, I'm just doing this until my computer science career takes off. <laughs> 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 and I just um play in bars all the time. And then I started starting punk rock bands. So I did like power pop band. I did a power pop comedy band. I did an electro punk band, a hardcore band, a post hardcore band, like all sorts of different, really like heavy, loud, screaming music. And then I learned drums when I was, I think 34, and so I started drumming in bands, and I'd like sing and drum, and I was quite ridiculous. I would tell jokes at the same time because we did this comedy sort of thing. Yeah. (laughs) So I did a lot of stuff, but my solo music always got the most attention. It it is very interesting um, because, Guide from these bands I'd be really excited there'd be a whole bunch of us working on it and then everyone would be like could you just show up with your guitar Tanya we only want you my bands would get really jealous <laughs> like, like we'd be playing somewhere and be like Tanya Jake's new band and they're just like we're here too I'm like sorry guys uh,
0: and the uh, the, the impossible the impossible question of like favorite song but but would you would you be able to have a is there like a favorite punk song uh, or anything like that
1: I wrote or that someone else wrote Not
0: either yeah. Either way, actually. Either or both. We're, we're greedy with our questions. We'll take both answers if you got them.
1: I, I, the last or the second last band that I was in, we were um, called Couch Wrecked, like shipwrecked, but on a couch. And we wrote a song about okay. Ottawa, where I used to live, and how everyone from Ottawa is just so hot. We should rename our city Ottawa. And so in the, we like have all these facts about why everyone's so super hot. Like, you know, we have the world's longest skating rink. That skating makes us hot. Don't you think? And it's like completely <laughs> ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous, the whole song. And we managed to get the mayor of Ottawa and our federal member of government to be, and like our our provincial leader to be in the, it, and all these different famous, like local Ottawa celebrities to be in the video with us. And um, one of my cousins contacted, so Ottawa is the capital of Canada, and contacted the tourism thing. I was like, can we have some tourism footage? Because we're writing a song about how everyone from Ottawa is really sexy. And they're like, Yeah, you can. And so we have like helicopters (laughs) going over the park. Like our our video is completely ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And so that it was like maybe a nine month project of me and my family and my cousin, like doing this ridiculously silly art project. And I have to say like being able to scream, like I'm from Ottawa, I'm wildly delicious. is like pretty satisfying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. that'd be a good like conference sticker for a laptop i think that, that'd be uh, that'd be incredible
1: <laughs> it's it's fun it's it's really fun yeah H-
2: have you felt that your kind of music career if if you like has helped you in your professional career as well
1: definitely definitely um ironically when i was having the, the talk with my employee who's going to start going on business trips soon i was like so like you know, if a guy puts his arm around me, I'm comfortable giving him a good shove and just laughing at him and saying, no, because I've literally like kicked people off of stages when I was playing music. Like I literally like a guy gone on stage once I was trying to steal the microphone and I just turned him around and like kicked him right in the butt into the crowd. And I'm like, see ya. <laughs> this is my stage. Screw you. Um And. So I'm like, because I've had like, so sexism in music and the entertainment industry is extremely intense and very overt, like very, very, very intense in your face. And it's more subversive and subtle in IT, which can make it a a little harder if you're you're a really blunt person. But I'll just be like, the answer is no. I'm just like, shut it down right away. Um, But so I was like, because I'm used to that. And she's like, oh, so your music really helped. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but I would say that it really helped in that um, I formed a lot of community when I was part of the music industry um, within my own city. And then I helped start a comp- uh, like a music festival called Lady Fest that was just for women because there's significantly fewer female performers. Um, and I also got really good at being on stage. And so when I started giving talks um, for work, I was like, I might die and they're like you have been on stage in front of thousands of people like you've you've played at the same festivals like giant bands like follow boy and like rancid and stuff and then you're like I'm so nervous in front of a bunch of dweebs I'm like I know but these dweebs are really smart and I really respect them <laughs> I'm worried they'll think I'm dumb <laughs> <laughs> but once I got over that and I realized like they definitely did not think I was dumb and they were super interested in learning what I was saying. I would just like get really excited and tell them. And so my onstage time of so long made it so that I was really good at forming community around whatever I was doing, which is how the We Hack Purple community started. And then um, also just being able to be really confident on stage. Like most people don't jump up and down or dance on stage. Like I used to wear a Fitbit and the Fitbit told me once you You were doing aerobics for two hours, I'm like, "No, I was giving a workshop at NorthSec. Um, <laughs> but apparently, I <laughs> move my arms a lot when I talk, and I get really excited, and it's like we thought you were in aerobics class, so I'm like, okay
0: <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, and thinking about like your 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 career and some of the transition you know related to like pen testing and then doing uh application security, I mean we have listeners of of all kind of trajectories of their career just starting or not like. What what's some of how you, you think about the the distinction for folks that might not understand the kind of what you might do from like a pen testing perspective versus like application security, you know, what's kind of different about those, if you will, or what was your transition between Absolutely. that like?
1: Okay, so pen testing is quite often consulting. Um, and I was used to being a full-time long-term employee and it sounds weird, but I had a lot of trouble with that, I had a lot of trouble going in, doing the test and then leaving. I'm like, we haven't fixed it yet. I can't go. Um, that's not okay if you're consulting, You're supposed to go on to the next organization. Pen- it's, it's not always pen te- uh, consulting, but quite often, it's like you come in, you test, and then you're supposed to, like, you write a report, give them advice on how to make it better, and then you leave. And you don't get to kind of see the fruits of your labor where they've fixed everything, unless you're lucky and you have a retest part of your contract, so You come back, and you test again. You're like, awesome, guys, good work. You fixed everything. Pen testing is extremely, extremely thorough and detail oriented. And so um, a lot of people who I know who pen test, they'll use a, a dynamic scanner, they'll use a couple other tools to kind of punch in, punch the app in the face a little bit, but then you get into manual testing where um, a lot of them refer to a WASP ASVS, the Application Security Verification Guide. And it's a basically 79 or 78 page spreadsheet of like, go here, do this, check that, Go here, do this, check that. It's very intense. It's very thorough. Um, and the idea is, is you go and look at the app from every angle you can to see every single thing that could potentially go wrong and make this, and you test it to see if it, it does go wrong. And then you make this list and then you try to offer some remediation advice. And I have seen people that just run a quick desk scan, copy and paste that information into Word and they're like, here, your pen test is done. And I'm like, "Oh no. And I've seen people that do you know, very, 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 very thorough manual testing. And often the two will both charge the same price uh, or only a slightly different price. Not because, um, not because the person that's doing thorough testing isn't smart, but because they're honest. Um, So I've seen a lot of pen testers where they do very little work and it's like, yeah, it took me 10 days. I'm like, you turned on the scan, you went and got coffee. You came back later in the day and then you just copy and like you spent like an hour going through those results, and you just randomly deleted the ones you thought, oh, it's probably nothing. And you didn't investigate, and you didn't do it. And I found it very disheartening. I I've met a lot of people where I was like, I don't feel what you're doing. And then they were charged 10 days for like a one day worth of fooling around with the app. And I was just like, I don't understand. And they're like, oh, I'm just faster than everyone else. I'm like, no. That's not what you're doing. Um, and so I saw that a lot. And the thing is, the clients often don't know the difference and that's rather disconcerting. And with application, so part of why I switched to AppSec is because I kept doing AppSec as part of my thing. So I'm like, well, I have 10 whole days. <laughs> um, and I'm like, can I come meet you <laughs> earlier? Can I scan your infrastructure? Can we like do a threat model? Can we just can we just talk for an hour and I'm going to draw this out on a whiteboard like your whole design plan? And then I'm like, oh, when these two talk, are you doing authentication and authorization? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, you know, we can trust them. They're behind our firewall. I'm like, oh no, we can't trust. And I just walking (laughs) through those things with them because I had learned these things through various uh, OWASP types of community events or conferences I'd attended. And so my pen test kept getting longer and longer and longer. And then I did one and it was like 14 days, but the clients were super happy. And so then I would do like early tests. I'm like, I'm going to come do a DAS scan while you're still coding. And I'm gonna do an SCA scan and all these other things and ask you to fix these things now. Because when I come at the end and do a pen test, I don't want you to be fixing things that you could have known about in advance. I wanna find like the final things like right at the end that you missed. And they're like, this sounds great. And my boss was like, what is your problem, Tanya? Why are you taking so long? And it's just really like a conflict. And the clients would ask for me then. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so then this, This person from OWASP, one of my um, professional mentors, Sharif Kusa, he's like, that's because you're doing application security, Tanya. Um, You keep doing application security when they've asked for a pen test and they don't know the difference necessarily. And if the client's happy and, and they're asking for you to come back and test all their apps, I guess this is good. but." what if you just moved into a role where that's what you did all the time so your boss wasn't so ticked off at you? Um, I make it sound like the boss was a jerk, but he just, he had a mandate and it was supposed to be go in, blow stuff out yeah, knees, yeah, yeah. and I was too slow.
0: Yeah, it makes yes. sense. <laughs> no, and, and it's interesting because some of what I was hearing in some of your, your description and the difference, right, is like the 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 areas where you get into with application security where um it, it can become less about, you know, what's that one vulnerability and, and more about like what's the architecture that even if we end up having a vulnerability, uh the the impact from it uh or the ability to kind of leverage it, you know, uh to do too much damage is, is gonna be like lessened to some extent. Like how how much does the the kind of um you know, security architecture, you know, I don't know like properly managing uh, attack surface, if you will, within your application? I mean, you mentioned earlier the uh, uh, the example of like, you know, the it's behind the firewall, so we're less worried about X, Y, Z, right? And so that definitely has attack surface type implications. But like, wh- what's your thoughts on like, you know, security architecture from like a, an AppSec perspective? So
1: AppSec is all the stuff that you do to make sure the software is secure, including architecture, and OWASP just updated the OWASP top 10 to include insecure design, finally, which makes me super happy. And I just have to tell the whole world about that. It's on the top 10, so now you must pay attention. <laughs> um, I, so I would <laughs> say that there's sort of two ways that things can go wrong with software. And there's there's flaws and there's bugs. So a flaw is a problem with the design of the application. And that can be the architecture, it can be just inside the application. So when I say architecture, I mean like, oh, and then it connects to this API and it connects to a serverless app. And then design is just within the application itself. And a lot of people use those interchangeable, but that's just how I use it. But then bugs are coding problems. Like it's implementation problems. It's not design, it's like, oh, when I, Instead of making an approved list for input validation, I accidentally made a block list and didn't understand the difference. And it's just like, well, you implement like the design said, make an approved list and only let in the good stuff. But you did it the opposite. It was just a mistake. And so, yeah, design flaws, I would say, are a big part of it. And when you hire someone to do security testing or when you hire someone to do application security, ideally, they're looking at the design because automated tools stink at that. Like you need a human. Um, there's a bunch of tools that claim, like we'll do business logic testing and some of them can do some, but having a human just look, like I remember one of my first pen tests, I was super junior, I'd been doing it like maybe three months. And I was like, oh, well you have this piece of information, this, this, and this, and together, according to the government, that makes it protected A. And that means we have to do all these extra steps and there's no way an automated tool could say like, oh, they have the combination of these three things on the same page and therefore like for the same user and therefore blah. And I remember my mentor was like, good job, pat on the head. Um, <laughs> 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 but it's one of those things that once your brain sees it one time, every time you can see it. And so as I started to uncover more yeah. and more design related or architecture problems, like a, another thing that um, pen testers report a lot and so I teach it, is like, Okay, so you will have an app, and you'll do tons of security on that, and then it will call an API. And most of them will have security in between that app and the API. Cool, then that API calls something else, and it's like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. For some reason, the next step (laughs) (laughs) is like it calls the serverless app or another API or whatever it does. They completely forget. And I don't know why. I'm like, every single time, you need to say, who are you? Which is authentication. And then, should you even be here? Authorization. Every time, every right, app should right. do
0: that. Every time, it's like, "Hey, who are you?" <laughs> well, and that, no, and it's interesting on on both your you know the example when you were talking about perimeter, or the example now, like you know, I, I remember uh, just months back, I was talking to a company, and uh, it was a great example of how these things can kind of zoom in and manifest. Same problem, new technology, right? And I was talking to a customer about their uh, Kubernetes environment, and it was like you know the API that they essentially had hanging off of like one of their apps in there. They had authorization, authentication, et cetera, generally did the right things. Ended up having a vulnerability in it, though, that would allow somebody to actually get code execution on a container. And then it was like, the, the I'm inside the perimeter, there's no security internal going between containers, everything else. But one of the things that, that you mentioned about the patterns, right, of as you, as you start to do application application security uh, pen testing vulnerability research there's all these kind of you know common classes of uh, attacks and patterns that you learn and there's also maybe like this like uh reverse effect that when you're when you're somebody uh, at a company that's like a part of building the actual software you can become so close to it that it's hard to objectively step back and really think about the attack surface and i you know this is one of the things I've always uh, talked about even when I think of um, you know some of my early uh, uh, vulnerability research teams uh, back in my first company, EI, you know, we had some of the best vulnerability researchers in the world. And I remember that that at one point we were hiring a third party to come do an actual like code audit, infrastructure, you know, full blown, uh, you know, kind of app review. And they were like, "Oh, you don't trust us, you know, like we know this stuff." And I'm like, "No, no, you have all the technical skills, but you're so close to the problem. You're so close to what you're doing because you're working on it day day. That's hard to look on the outside. Do do you find that to be?" Uh, a thing sometimes when you're when you're going in and helping a customer, where it's like you know the light bulb goes on, where we're like ah, it was kind of there the whole time, but I didn't see it because I'm so close to it. Is that is that a thing that you experience? Honestly,
1: not very often, but I I do agree that that is what's yeah. happening. If that makes sense, like a lot of them when I point it out, they yeah they yeah. don't realize it was there because they how do I say they this nicely? Yeah. So like software developers are experts at developing software, right? And when like to be totally honest when I was a software developer I thought my software was perfect I thought it was really great and when QA would find something I was always like how is this possible Um, and 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 I I I want to say I was totally not arrogant and there was no at all ego but there's definitely some ego Um, but I like I was just like but I tested it and I didn't find that and so when I tell clients about a problem, I, I remember my first professional mentor saying like, when you find a bug, especially like a really earth-shattering bug, it's like really exciting. And he's like, you have to do your happy dance by yourself. And then when you go tell the developer, you have to remember you are telling them, I just found out your baby's extraordinarily ugly. And you have to stay in a way <laughs> where they still like you and they feel respected. And they feel, and I was like, okay, yes, this is really good. And I wish that more people got that lesson from their professional mentor. He's like, so do the happy dance in like the data center or the ladies bathroom or some other place where you're like, oh my gosh, I totally smashed. That's so good. And then when you go tell the client, it's like, hey, I think I found something. Can I show you? And remember to be sensitive because this is a thing they worked on so long and so hard and they missed this or they... Or more often, they've just never had training on that and had no idea that what they were doing was wrong. And I've seen some security people where they're frustrated and they've been doing this so long and they're just like, why can't you just write code that is good? And it's like, oh, ouch, ouch. Um, That's
0: brutal.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Just i've heard try I, i've no, heard much what? worse trust me and in our industry there's a company where their entire motto is try harder and i'm just like oh don't teach people to act like that don't you're like you're creating a <laughs> giant group of pen testers with a bad attitude by default jeez oh,
2: yeah well i think one thing that came through really strongly there and I, i've been unusually quiet because i am a huge fan oh. so i'll just disclaimer there that i keep leaning into this like this is amazing this is incredible um, Education, education, education! Like it's just coming through to me that like, you have such a love and passion for this. Is, is that where we ha- uh, we hack purple started?
1: Yeah. We it sounds weird, but when um, when I first started doing all the security stuff, I joined the local OWASP chapter, and almost immediately they said, "Well, do you want to be one of like Do you want to be one of the organizers?" And I was like, "Really, me? Oh my gosh! Wow! Yes." Um, And because I had so much experience planning concerts for so long, it was super easy to plan a meetup. I'm like, this is a cinch. I don't even have to make people pay for tickets. This is awesome. Um, And
2: And the liability coverage is probably much lower as (laughs) (laughs) well. Yeah, <laughs> of these crazy punk bands, gosh. <laughs>
1: and, and so then I just started booking people that would teach the thing I wanted to learn. But then eventually, um, one of my professional mentors was like, well, if you really want to cement your knowledge, you should teach what you learned to someone else. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, if you make a presentation. So my first presentation was about like just how to scan a web app for vulnerabilities, so how to do a DAS scan. And I didn't even know it was called DAS. I was just like, so we're taking this web app scanner thing imaging, and we're going to point it at this vulnerable app that my friend made, and then we're just going to blow it up. And it's so cool. And then these are the things we found, and this is why they're scary, and this is how you can fix them. And so by the time I finished making the presentation, I was like, I'm really good at this now. And so then I started just making more presentations to kind of cement the knowledge for myself. I even, so this might sound weird, but I even wrote songs. So one of my bands was called Zero Day Reapers. And if there was, like, a a term (laughs) I was trying to learn, I would write it into the song so I would repeat it over and over again and I could never forget, like, whatever the steps were for this or that. And um, it really helped, Carl. And so like the more I taught and the more like really super awesome questions people have. So like at the end of a talk, Q and A is my favorite part because then the audience says stuff and I'm like, Oh, you're having that problem. That's such a cool problem. Like tell me more. Um, and helping them problem solve or like giving them ideas for fixing things. I'm like, this is, so then sometimes I learn something. So sometimes I'll say like, actually, I don't know the answer. I've never encountered that. And I'll just turn to the rest of the audience. I'm like, do any of you know And a super brave person will be like, actually at work, we had that problem and this is what we did and it helped. And I'm just like, yes, this is so good. Learning for free again. And so then um, (laughs) when I left Microsoft, I started my own startup company and we wanted to make an inventory program because that is a huge problem facing our industry that remains not fully solved. Uh, And me and my co-founder kind of exploded in this amazing way. And if you're going to fail, fail fast. And that's what we did. Um, And I was like, we should end this before we don't like each other anymore, like we're still our friends. And so we (laughs) kind of both went on our separate ways because we both had different ideas of not only how to run the company, but how to build the product. And that's fine. Um, But so then I was sort of in free fall for maybe a few weeks. And I was like, hey, Twitter, what do you think I should do? And people started writing me and they said, So I I know that you're not sure what you want to do next, but I have all these devs and they really need to learn secure coding. Is there a chance you would come in and speak to them? I'll pay you. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. And then another person and then another person and then another person. And then I was like, maybe this could be my job. (laughs) (laughs) This is a thing. thing. Um, And I really liked it. And then um, I was like, well, how can I make this scale better? And so I, I just made a homemade course and i sold 130 copies of it and it was just like a minimal viable product and i was like if i could sell 130 and my marketing plan was just tweeting i made a course it's 99 dollars. if you want to learn this could you please buy it and people did and i'm like okay so that's obviously not very good marketing but it worked and so maybe i should so i re-recorded the course and broke it out made it bigger and better and got like an academy platform and all these things and we Hack purple was born
2: that's incredible. And where, where did the name come from? In, in your kind of Twitter handle as well, she hacks purple. Like, where, where was that from?
1: So I I didn't want to have Twitter. So I had briefly tried Twitter, and I was like, "This is too tiny bites for me." Like I didn't really get it at first, and so I deleted my Twitter account. And then I was in Europe in Ireland, and Wanna Cry broke out, and it broke out live on stage. So there was a woman on a panel, and she was like checking her phone and not paying attention to the panel. And I was like, what are you doing? And finally she's like, I really have to be sorry, but my company made an exploit out of like a vulnerability we'd heard of. And we checked into exploit DB. And I just heard that it's being exploited in the wild. And I think it's called WannaCry. And I saw all these people get up and start phoning people running out of the room. And she like was explaining what it was. And so I started asking everyone at this conference, like, can you tell me what's happening? And there's this woman named Shannon, Le- Shannon Leeds, and she was the keynote speaker. And I was like, Shannon, can you tell me what's on your Twitter? And she's like, Tanya, at some point, we all have to grow up and become an InfoSec adult and get our own Twitter accounts. <laughs> I <laughs> keep were reading over my shoulder for like three days now. And you know these are free, right? Like they're free, Tanya. And I was like, oh, she's like, you should make a Twitter account. You'll like it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like it. And so then my email address was shehackscomputers um, at gmail.com. And I tried to put shehackscomputers and it was too sh- it was too long. And I, and I was like, well, how can I shorten this down? And I was like, oh, people keep saying I'm a purple teamer because I've been doing pen testing, which is red team, attacking offensive security. But then I keep helping them fix it, which is defense. And application security has like a lot of defensive parts of it as well. And so people were joking that I was a purple teamer and people kept joking, oh, there she is. Can't make up her mind, that purple lady. And so I was like, well, she hacks purple. I mean, no one's ever gonna see it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not gonna have any followers. (laughs) Um, And then it just grew and grew and grew. And there's this guy um, named Kevin Wall uh, in Ottawa, and he would like come see my presentations. And one day he was joking around with me. He's like, Oh, she acts purple. And look at her with her brown hair. Like, at some point, aren't you going to dye your hair purple? Like, as a joke. And so the next month, I put these purple highlights in my hair, just like to kind of like get Kevin. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he laughed so hard. He thought he <laughs> was going to cry. And I was like, Actually, it looks really nice. Maybe I'll just keep it for a bit. And now it's been there for like five years. <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's sort of like my thing, if that makes sense. And so when I started, My business at first, it was called She Hacks Purple, but people kept writing me and saying, I'm a man and I'd really like to attend too, but I really want to be respectful. But And I was like, no, everyone's invited. And so it turned out a lot of men felt they weren't invited. And I was like, oh no, that's not okay. Um, Everyone is, every person is welcome. And so we changed the name to We Hack Purple. So like every person knew, all of you are welcome. Um, And now with making all the courses free because of the acquisition by Bright, we have doubled in size in the past couple of weeks since we announced all the, basically people used to pay, you know, 200, 300, $500 for these courses. And now they're all just free. And ton, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting a lot oh. of really nice letters about
2: how great it is. That's incredible. That, that's awesome. so you've, uh, you've, you've been in bands, you've had like the most amazing kind of app set career, pen test career. You've got a blog, a podcast, a community, a training academy, how like where do you find that time
1: (laughs) i don't watch a lot of tv um Ah. and and i feel and um and and so this is going to sound really weird and slightly personal but basically since i started since covid started um i met someone and that person has kids and so now i'm a stepmama and I'd never been a, a mama bear before, if that makes sense. And so being a mama bear takes up a certain amount of time that I was not used to. Like, they'll be like, can you close your laptop? Because I'm going to sit on you now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm never king." Hello. <laughs> um, and this is a new experience. But I think a lot of people that have children um, have less ability and time to do all these other things. And especially people who have infants. Oh, my gosh. How do you even show up to work with clothes on and your hair brushed Like <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> um, Like it's, it's it's like heroic undertakings that because uh, I knew kids were a lot of work but then when you start experiencing it, you're like, whoa, I have a mini human that's crying that's very upset that their brother just punched them or stole their Easter candy or something else that's clearly it like a human rights issue. And um, you have to kind of stop what you're doing and go do the thing. But yeah, I think that, um, I think, I I don't know how to explain, but I'm just a very motivated person. Uh, So I wrote a book um, and it was published in 2020. And I'm actually about to start my second book uh, this summer. So Alice and Bob are going to learn secure coding this time. And it Just as I'm starting to research it, I'm like, this is going to be a lot of work. Oh, my. Um, (laughs) But it sounds weird. But when you get really excited about stuff, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of work. Like when I was in all those bands, that was a lot of work. Like you would practice hundreds of hours for each performance. And I wouldn't think about it as work because I loved it. And so I really love writing. So with a book, like the writing part was really quite enjoyable, but the technical edits were really like getting punched in the gut. <laughs> I have to say like, <laughs> I chose my biggest troll to be one of my editors. So he would always pick all my blogs apart. And I was like, will you be one of my technical editors? And he's like, I thought you kind of hated me. I'm like, no, cause you actually you're so like, you'll say, Tanya, this is wrong. Or Tanya, you forgot that. I'm like, but each time you're correct. And you've taught me a lot. And if you could be more gentle with your feedback, I think we could be a great team. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like having someone that that has that attention to detail or that will pick apart something and is not afraid to give. So sometimes people can be quite afraid to tell you, like, Tanya, like you, you know, you did the 20 security headers, but you missed one. Or this one's not technically called a security header, but here's why I feel it is related and you do need to cover it. I'm like, oh. <gasps> I never thought of that. That's great crap. Now I have to do a bunch more research and I have to do a bunch more writing and then I have to pass my edits again. <laughs> and yeah, I found the technical editing really hard, Carol. It was so hard. But writing is a pleasure. So I'm looking forward to that part.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I deliberately omitted it from the list to begin with because we've got the same name. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> like Alice and Bob, Alice and Bob. How cool is that?
1: I like to think um, we're called Alice it, and Bob Learn. <laughs> because they're learning something. Yeah. And you, it's the adventures of Alice and Bob. So it's like stories and exciting things. So it's slightly different.
0: Absolutely. I, I thought it was great. What, what, when was your first kind of run into the, the uh, a- Alice and Bob as like, a, as like a reference? Was that like pretty, pretty early on when we were getting started in, in security? Everybody has their, their version of where they kind of first heard that as a thing.
1: It was actually uh, in 1999 when I was going for a co-op placement. So uh, I was taking computer science and I was already working at a startup and I'd already worked at a bunch of companies. And this company called Nokia was like, we're creating something called an SSL generator and we want you to come work here. And we want to invite you to come visit the office so we can convince you to work here. And I was like, I thought this was a job interview. And he's like, you're interviewing us as much as we're interviewing you. It's like, in 1999, it was really hard to hire tech people, and I'd already been programming for years before I even got into college, and I was getting super top marks. I was class president, and I was already working at a startup, and he's like, we're going to try to steal you away from that startup, and we'll give you a raise, but also, like, you know, he, that he explained what encryption was, and he showed me the presentation of, so Alice wants to tell Bob a secret, and I was like, oh... And so throughout my career, I'd be like, well, you know, encryption, Alice and Bob, and people would look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and, and the ideas of Alice and Bob was it's characters that they created so they could explain the complexity of cryptography to like the average Joe. And here I am 21. I'm like, oh, and so then they did this. And the guy's like, so you're already smarter than me. So this is great. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I remember I, during my testing, I would like figured out all these hacks so I could get it to crash. And then I automated it. And I was the only person on the QA team that could write code. And then I was like, I did this and I did this and I did this. And I'm like, so I have to tell you something, boss. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so I kind of set it on fire. And he's like, oh, like you like crashed it a bunch of times. I'm like, I crashed it so many times. I overwhelmed the fans. The fans shut down and like there's smoke in our laboratory. And I think we need to evacuate. And he's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but then we had to add more fans to our product. And we did this and we did that. And. Um, I learned quite a bit. And so I think my introduction to Alice and Bob was pretty early, but Alice and Bob were born the year I was born. And so it has been a a long history for Alice and Bob. Um, And they, in my book, they have lives, they have jobs, they have families. Bob's sister gets divorced, (laughs) and there's a problem with the family photos. And there's all these things that I use to explain to the average person. like Because I find a, a lot of people who who don't study cybersecurity and threats and risks all the time, so basically all the humans except us, um, they, don't, they don't see how something could, could happen to them. And I remember there was this giant data breach in Canada and the province I live in of all of the test results for our health. So all the blood tests, all the urine, all, the, all of those tests got spilled onto the internet, two years' worth of tests for every British Columbian. And I was saying to this guy, like, you know, this is completely unacceptable. We have to protect this. And he's like, well, I'm not sick, so I don't care. And I'm like, well, first of all, our job is to protect the most vulnerable of our society and up, not just the people who are, I'm fine, or I'm not interesting, so it's fine. We have to protect all the people. And I'm like, you know, I have this friend who has a brain tumor and it's been malignant for a long time. So she works and she has a job and she does all these things, but a lot of companies, if they found out she had one, it's like, you're going to cost our benefit, plan a fortune, we're not going to hire you right? And there would be prejudice. And that's not fair. And he's like, well, I'm not sick. And I'm like, okay, so let's say I go into those results and I give you HIV. And then people don't want to hire you. He's like, but that that's not fair. I'm like, oh, I could do it. It'd be really easy. Like anyone could do that. And, and I could give you a brain tumor too. And he was just horrified. And all of a sudden he was like, we need more privacy in British Columbia. <laughs> and I feel like if you can put it into the terms that a person can understand how it could affect them or a person that they love, all of a sudden they take it seriously. And all these people, they're like, well, I don't need privacy. I'm like, do you have blinds on your windows? Do you have curtains? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, why? I thought you didn't need privacy. I thought privacy wasn't important. Oh, my neighbors could see in. Oh, I thought you didn't do anything interesting. And so if you could word it in ways they understand and translate it essentially. And so the characters, Alice and Bob, I think are really important because it helps a regular person understand, oh my gosh, this could ruin my life or this could hurt my child, et cetera. Um, Shannon Leitz, I saw her, she's like this really amazing public speaker, super. Like when I saw her on stage, I was like, ah. Um, and she was saying how her two children had their, their identity stolen when they were two and three years old. And she had so she has to teach them How to manage their identities after having their identities stolen and spilled onto the internet from like being little all the way up and she's like it keeps coming up and i have to manage this and that i'm just like oh my gosh and so yeah i feel like if we can compare it to a a thing that affects us personally all of a sudden we understand and i think that it's brilliant whoever decided from that way back in the day those cryptography people like it's like those videos um I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where they're like, there's only really starving children in Africa. When I was young, there would always be these, these commercials. and But then they would just isolate one child and they would tell you all about this one child. And it's because the human brain is unable to, to understand suffering at a level of, you know, actually like a million people were killed by this genocide um, that was committed by other humans. And like, we have to get involved. But, by, but that's too much for us to comprehend. It's too much for us to hold. And so they're like, we'll show you one child or two children, because then that is something you can relate to. And then you can comprehend it. And then humans are more likely to take action. And so Alice and Bob, they have some troubles in the book. Things happen. And sometimes they solve them and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Um, yeah, I, so I, I love the name of your podcast in summary.
2: Oh, thank you. I love the name of your book, and I love the fact you're writing a second one as well. That's like made Absol- my day.
0: Absolutely. So
2: excited about that. You, you mentioned as well there, like fantastic public speaking. Where can people find you this year?
1: Oh, okay. So you can find me at RSA. So I'm doing 14 events at RSA, and I'm just about to start sharing them on Monday. So my social. Four,
0: 14, like one 14. One four, one four, yeah. four. That's a lot of events. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm speaking at. RSA and I'm I'm, given, I'm on a panel at RSA. I'm doing a birds of a feather at RSA. I think I'm doing seven separate book signings where a bunch of really awesome companies like Bright Security, Cloud Defense, Juniper Networks, F5, VMware, it, um, Apiro, et cetera, are buying a thousand bucks each worth of Alice and Bob to give away for free. And so uh, I'm going to publish a schedule really soon of all the places I'll be. So basically you can come and meet me and I will give you a copy of Alice and Bob if you're if you're early enough, because we're going to run out at each event, right? And I'll sign it for you and we'll chat. And um, so there should be around 40, 50 books per one hour of signing. So I'm going to go just all over the place. And I'm going to speak at the Purple Cloud Security Summit. And oh, there's one more thing. Uh, oh, and I'm going to be, so BrightSec is having this giant party Tuesday night with Sneak and wiz and every time i say their name i blush and soul
0: and (laughs) we (laughs)
1: bracket i just i like i'm really excited to go especially honestly to like corner one of the engineers from wiz and just be like how's your inventory system work i need to know everything because they are one of the first companies to make a product that can apparently help with inventory and i'm like i need know how you solved this problem i failed to solve this is awesome <laughs> so i'm gonna like show up with drinks and be like hi you me discussion <laughs> but in a friendly non-creepy way just to be clear but yeah so <laughs> if people want to come and see what i'm doing um follow me on twitter at she Hacks purple, um, or join my newsletter so if you go to SheHacksPurple.ca, there's a newsletter you could join the we hack purple newsletter all this is free so we have purple.com. You could join the Bright newsletter. So it's brightsec.com. You can follow any of my socials. So I'm just, she acts purple everywhere. But basically um, my blog, I'm going to publish like an actual schedule so that you could just figure out like, oh, it's convenient for me to see her here. And cool, then I will come and pick up a book. And so I'm super excited that all these awesome companies are essentially sponsoring me, giving these books away. And I'm very grateful. It's So amazing. And so, yeah, I'm, ridiculously excited for RSA. And then I'm also going to be speaking the next week in Vegas. Um, so that is the, uh, I think I'm on the 17th or 18th of June at the Agile DevOps Conference for Tech West, And uh, I'm, I'm very terrible. excited. I'm going to be the opening keynote or maybe I'm the lunchtime oh, keynote. Wow. I yeah. So it seems like it's the opening keynote to me because I'm on the West Coast and they are not. I think it's actually the lunchtime keynote, but I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Anyway, um, yeah, so basically, if people want to know what I'm doing, join my newsletter, because every month, basically, all the content that I've created, every podcast I've been on, every place I'm going to be is in there every month, and it's free. And then there's always, like, a ridiculous meme at the end to reward you for reading the whole thing.
2: (laughs) Uh, I I mean... Um, Thank you. Well, coming into my last two questions, because I know we're kind of starting to run out of time together and that saddens me a lot, but I, you know, it won't be the last time we speak, I hope. This question was from a previous guest on the show and okay. it is, if there is one myth that you could debunk in cybersecurity, what would it be?
1: Oh, um, it would be that password rotation is good. Password rotation is awful. Password rotation makes people write down. So like for listeners, it used to be policy that every 90 months, you would force, for 90 days, three months, 90 days, you would force users to change their password because they thought it was more secure. However, what that has resulted in is spring 2022 being the world's most <laughs> popular password right now. And no, I kid you not, if you try to do a password hash table, like that's what people are going to look for. It's like winter 2022, spring 2022, and soon summer 2022. And people writing down their passwords all the time. And so what we need to do instead is teach them to make very long passwords and password managers, especially just have their password manager create unique random passwords mm. for them because humans suck at being random. Did you know that if you ask 10 people what their favorite number is, one to 10, six or seven of them will answer seven. <laughs> and so <laughs> we suck at being random. Humans are wonderful, but we're not very random and that's okay. And so I wish password <laughs> rotation would, would die a very fast death so that we could just get everyone to start using password managers instead. And so now do I get to create a question?
2: You do, yeah. So if you want to leave, leave a penny for the next guest. Uh...
1: Okay, for the next question, what is the best way to join an information security community? What is the best way to become involved and join an information security community?
2: Oh, I like that one. That's a really cool question. And, and with that,
1: I want to invite everyone to join my community. So just go to community.wehavepurple.com. It's free. There's no upsells. We don't sell you anything there. We have events. And we hang out and we're nerds together. And there's a code of conduct. As long as you're nice, it's free. And uh, I, feel like, um, I feel like community is the way that I got into information security and the way that I was able to be successful, the way I was able to learn, the way I was able to find jobs. And people like you both of you and all the people that we are not seeing who are behind the screen who work together to create this awesome piece of content. So like a podcast is a ton of work. And so you are creating community when you do this, you might not realize it, but you are, you're helping people learn, you're helping people join our industry. And so hats off to both of you and all the people behind the screen. who help make this happen.
0: I agree. But couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, uh, speaking of the people, uh, uh, and the many of them who do an awesome job to help us make this is um uh, we kind of broke the script with you because nor- normally we we, we kind of settle on a on a adventure and kind of zoom in on the specific adventure you went on and as uh, we were going through this uh, me and Carl had traded some chat and we were like forget forget the script i think I think your your kind of entire you know life experience and everything you were sharing that that is that is the whole adventure the totality and it's obviously an amazing adventure and I know you're gonna have a lot more coming in the future. And uh, we've we've been stoked today to have you on and and really appreciate you spending the time. And thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to meet both of you.
0: I met one of my heroes today, Tonya. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And we will hopefully catch you at a conference soon.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to Adventures with Alice and Bob. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this with colleagues that'll get value from it.